Welcome to Energetic Influence, where we discuss energy in all its forms, including spiritual, and its influence on us collectively and as individuals. And now your host of Energetic Influence, David Houston. Thanks for joining me again. The project that was envisioned when a friend of mine was talking to me about doing a podcast, the information was finally put together and it was turned into roughly 37 minutes, 24 or 27 seconds of uh, animation. I used various online tools, various audio synthesis, the Adobe Suite, lots of vector art, a few things I found over the internet, or just made it. Either way, it was put together, and what I want to do is include a recording I made some time back, and I'll find out what date that was as well because it kind of gives a little more information anyway i finally finished the project today got it uploaded campfire story about a family going camping and i'll include that uh here in this episode including the transcript and at the end i'll go ahead and include the link to each of its upload locations as well as the reference or credits or special thanks and contribution section. Anyway, I appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoy it and hope really that um, you take it to heart or consider what has been said thoughtfully and with purpose so that correct or sure decisions on your part can be made for current and future decisions. Thanks again. And I would, I would, I do have more to say, but it's quite late or early, however you want to look at it. Either way, I will string all this together and get it uploaded later today. Hopefully, that's the plan. And I will hopefully also get back to more regular, at least a monthly um, episode on the energy that is all around us in all forms that spills over from the etheric or astral or spiritual plane or realm into this physical realm in all its ways, means, and methods because the separation, I believe, is getting thinner and I also believe people are welcoming all sorts of things. We here are experiencing our own manifestations and that's another reason I'm going to cut this short as far as tonight's recording. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. And I've also looked at RSS, and I'm not sure how you enable com- the recording that was made prior to yesterday would have been on June 16th. That is the audio that is about to play. Yes, just thinking about 
motivation for action and how if whatever you do is to bring glory to God the Father through Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross for us then your motive will be rightly motivated otherwise your motivation might be incorrectly or have a distortion in its motivation and especially whatever activities you may do when no one's watching if the entirety of the world could make that happen then I think it would be a better place that remains to be seen all right I was just checking and uh, it was on April 19th that I last published anything on this I would just like to say that the time has been or the missing there's no missing time <clears throat> would just like to say that that well thanks for clicking and choosing to listen hopefully you'll get something out of this it's been a minute since I last published anything but a lot's happened since then the reason this podcast exists was to help a friend and in doing so my decision was to do 10 episodes learn what I need to learn to help this friend and then turn those 10 episodes into something else well that something else turned out to be a little animation that I believe is right around 40 minutes long it took a little longer than I wanted to take in making it however the utilization of some tools that are recently new maybe not new but their abilities are significantly improved so anyway going from start to finish idea to finish product took right about a year because I think I thought about it in June of last year so June of 22 anyway um, I'm super thankful to have done it uh, or to have gotten to this part Thank you uh, to the Spirit for giving me diligence and insight, desire to read and learn other people's information and material. Uh, There's considerable thanks at the end to those who did contribute or wrote something that I thought had value. Anyway, it is... um, Hope, well, my, my desire is to have it published in two weeks. The background noise is from me having the opportunity to do something other than work on this project. Like get my granddaughter's room painted. So that's what I'm in here doing is... Uh, Recording this while emptying shelves and moving furniture. 
much has happened during the time that I initially began thinking about podcasts in the world and on such a level the spiritual level of influence is so great it is so over the top right now that nobody knows what's going on or the masses most people are completely blind to it because it has taken on the flavor of the culture and the world around us the culture around us is one thing the media would like us to think it's another the agenda is pushing forward at such a rapid pace it is ridiculous but the agenda owns the media so they're right in step either way the spiritual component of influence is of such a level right now that for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear you know what I'm talking about for those who are oblivious maybe you don't know what I'm talking about either way the suggestion on my or from me if you're not already doing this and that is get to know God get to know the truth study the scripture not I just heard a um, 5 and 10 where it's maybe in Germany somewhere uh, they had their first AI delivered sermon so some AI wrote it and mapped that writing to an avatar and the avatar through the AI generated text delivered a sermon to I don't I forget how many people I can put a link in the show notes or in the transcript either way that's the level now was it a good sermon I don't know do I like to sit through sermons not necessarily um I like learning so to me I I I need to look up what the true definition of sermon is what does that really mean and in the what does that really mean mean I mean if you're trying to get me to come to Jesus I already know Jesus and I'm helping to share that with others so is it a is it a is it a lecture I don't mind lectures I think lectures are cool not liberal lectures like a for real lecture um, I don't know I want to look this up so I'll hopefully find that out within the next here just a bit either way a sermon written by an AI delivered by an AI driven avatar on a screen anybody want to take a guess where this might go and you've already got the people you know the people 
claiming that uh, their inventions are going to well here's what's going to happen is their inventions are going to outlive them however their delusion is them thinking they can get in their invention and live in their invention and the crazy part is simulating it would be easy to simulate anybody if you know enough data points about anybody you can simulate anybody but that doesn't make it them that's the thing and by it not being them it's not them so their machines their inventions will outlive them so in one respect they've succeeded in doing so but you know you can build cars and they outlive you washing machines used to could outlive you but they design so much stuff these days that has a built-in breakdown um, failure point not necessarily on, on purpose well maybe on purpose point is it's generated obsolescence and you can look it up but so much is going on right now and the level of absurdity doubles every day or triples or how whatever you want to call it i'm sure some exponential math formula could tell us the curve we're on and it probably looks like a straight line going up right now either way the situation is definitely running with what is the term the brakes are out or something to that degree you're running off a cliff or it well a friend of mine he was saying that you know it passed the tipping point and there is much to be said about the tipping point being actually years back years ago and that the the acceleration of that tipping point or go, this the acceleration of going over that tipping point is becoming faster and faster with every moment now there may be small tipping points that we keep going over probably on a daily basis Anyway, the the uh, the little video. Hopefully, people will. En- I mean, I say enjoy it, and I could say be entertained by it. And here's I want it to hold your interest long enough that you watch it. I want it to hold your interest long enough that you listen to each word. Look. Watch the screen. Granted, it's an animation with limited movement. However, the movement, well, not all the movement. Some of the movement was definitely video, but whatever. I'm not, this is not about me. What I'm saying is there's a lot of moments where one could be lulled to sleep. And not really lulled to sleep, but if you're susceptible to nodding off and I'm asking you to watch a 40-minute video, you might fall asleep unless you 
are determined to watch it. And that's what I'm encouraging you to, to do is to watch the video and listen to the words. That be, listen to the words. They were put together kind of like my podcast, very haphazardly, but not always, not, not in any way. Uh, the haphazardness would be just how I think, maybe, and then put the ideas together in the bigger picture, and the bigger picture sometimes gets in a way one could think about it being put in a box and the box labeled the box is very informative the box is very deep in its information it just may not be as linked together and properly formatted as possible (laughs) what I'm getting at is that's typical how things have worked out for me and to the good I'm I'm very thankful very very thankful for everything so much to be thankful for and even though there are so many small things going on I'm very thankful that for the most part items are addressed, discussed, talked about, and the consequences of choices are always brought about or brought up, reminded people, you know, and it goes back to the whole identifying as one thing or another, you know, that is such a thought process that when it comes down to, really, when it comes down to life or death, if you're still identifying and thinking and pretending in your mind about one thing or another, I feel sorry for you. If you've went further with that pretend, then I truly feel sorry for you. Um, helping one another is great. Helping yourself, I think, I think you should help yourself first if you want to help other people and that way you can help them properly in the process it'll help you and not to be selfish either and now in its entirety campfire story campfire story brought to you by energetic influence the gods of the ancient world never left I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Genesis 3.15 The long days of summer lingered, as autumn raced to take its place. Dad knew he and his family would enjoy getting away for a few days, after all the effort they put into preparing their barn for the winter. Who wants to go camping? As Dad loads the final bit of camping gear in their truck, he is seen getting off the phone with a friend. Whatever you do, 
Just speak the truth, it's always easier to remember the truth. I hope we see some shooting stars from the Perseid meteor shower. We might. It's supposed to be clear weather for the next few days. Mom, will my kitty be okay while we're gone? Yes, sweetie. Mama Kitty will be with her and keep her safe. Pleasant music and light conversation accompanied them during their drive to the lake. After they arrive, Dad and his son walk around the campsite to check out the perimeter and gather firewood when they come up to a large rock. Ever notice how worldwide, so many of the megalithic ancient places, are built way above average or normal human scale? And, that they're constructed with huge, heavy rocks or slabs of stone. With all that lifting and moving of those massive stones, carefully aligning them with the night sky while putting them into place. It's as if the builders intended for them to not only survive the flood, but last a long time as well. Also, did humanity lose these building methods or have they been suppressed? I have an idea about their construction. Dad, do you think there are any Bigfoot creatures out here? I'm not sure. There are so many North American legends and claims of sightings. If you add to that, the considerable cover-up by the Smithsonian, when they confiscated thousands of enormous human skeletons from Native American earth mound excavations. You know, in the Bible, before and after the flood, it mentions the Nephilim. They happen to be the fallen realm's offspring. They have only one goal. Really? Only one? What goal is that? It is to corrupt and destroy humanity to prevent the prophecy of Genesis 3.15 from being completed. Let's get this firewood back to camp. The sun's shadows got longer as the crickets and night animals started scurrying about. Dad placed the kindling in the center of the fire pit. Then, some smaller twigs and sticks, and finally larger logs on top and around. The fire crackled to life, as wafts of smoke ascended into the cloudless night sky. Each family member did the next thing in helping get dinner ready. After Dad thanked and asked the Heavenly Father for blessing over their food and time together, the conversation pertained to the importance of growing and eating fruits and vegetables. After dinner, Mom and Dad helped the kids clean and put away the cooking gear. When they finished, each one sat comfortably around the warm campfire, under the starry sky. Look, a shooting star. That is a nice fire. Is everyone warm and cozy? Yeah, I am. Me too. Dinner was great. Thanks everyone for helping. Does anyone know any scary stories they can tell around the fire? Dad probably does. Daddy, tell us a story. Okay, it's not so much a scary story, but more of an account of ancient history that is not discussed very much. For some reason, the people of Earth do not learn from the past and history tends to repeat itself, which is scary enough. This happened so long ago. Imagine if you can, a time when there was nothing. A very long, long time ago. Way back. I'm talking earlier than the most ancient of times. The Bible says that before anything existed, except for Father God, there was only His wisdom and the Word. In so many ancient stories from many cultures of the world, their hero had to have help or assistance in defeating the Leviathan, the incarnation of chaos. However, according to the first verse of Genesis, the spirit of Father God, Yahweh, subdued Leviathan, by simply indicating for chaos to come to order. Since chaos is present in the first verses of scripture, this indicates the existence of more than just Father's wisdom and the word by that time. Therefore, at some point, 
Father God created the hierarchy of the spirit realm. It is populated with different types or classes of spiritual beings, also known as the Elohim. In the book of Job, we read that the angels, or hosts of heaven, rejoiced at creation. So, they had to have existed before the formation of the earth and Adam and Eve. Before Adam and Eve? Yes, before Adam and Eve. I know trying to think that far back can be challenging, to when only the spiritual realm was around. Anyway, we read that the voice of God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. This implies communication between the sentient beings of creation. Talking must have been a normal part of everyday life before and after the fall. So, Eve gets approached by the Nakash and is enticed, with her companion, to eat the fruit. It spoke with cunning, twisting what father had commanded Eve and her husband not to do. Hold on a minute, I've never heard of a Nakash. It is the Hebrew word for an upright walking, flying, humanish, snake lizard viper dragon like entity that got translated into most English Bibles as serpent. Surely, you won't die if you eat from this tree. Yahweh just does not want you to become like him, knowing good and evil. I wonder, why Adam didn't stand up for Eve, and tell the Nakash to get lost. The Nakash must have walked up to the couple before the temptation, since the curse that came after, was for it to slither around from now on and eat the dust of the earth. Here's something to think about. The scriptures tell us that we are made from the dust of the earth. If a snake slithered up to our campsite and started talking, I would be a little freaked out. A talking snake would freak me out too. Mom looked at her daughter, assuring her she was safe from any talking snakes. She smiled at her husband and nodded with a continue on expression. After the temptation and failure of mankind, we read that the entrance to the garden is now guarded by a cherub and a flaming sword to prevent any unauthorized access to the garden. But kicking them out of the garden seems like an extreme punishment for eating some fruit. It was more than just eating fruit. Father's only request of them was to not do it. His reasons are far greater than ours. Their disobedience resulted in them being cast out of the garden and having to work to eat. What does cast out mean? They were punished and sent away from living and being in the garden with the presence of God. Their sin, or crime and punishment resulted in a return of chaos and death. They may not have died on the day they got kicked out, but eventually, they grew very, very old and died. How old? The biblical narrative tells us that Adam lived to be 930 years old, if you think about the incredibly long time spans of the ancient people living before Noah. I remember telling your mom how I believed people before the flood had microwaves and jet planes. Maybe not like we do today. I just wanted to illustrate the idea of at least one advanced civilization, or many, way back then. The story of Atlantis comes to mind. Think about today, being a scientist or inventor and living to be 60, 70, or 80 years old, then other researchers, coming after you and continuing to improve your work. Now imagine living to be 2, 3, 4, even 500 years old and what you could accomplish. Anyway, with memories of the good life they once had, Adam and Eve had to learn to till the ground and raise crops. When all they used to do, was eat what was growing, without any work or effort. Did Adam and Eve become farmers? I guess you could say so. In addition to ruining life for all of humanity, Adam and Eve had the first dysfunctional family with their son, Cain, killing his brother Abel. Cain's corrupt lineage, recorded in the Bible, continues to corrupt humanity till the end times through evil royal bloodlines, and elite secret societies who claim to trace their history back to him. Much time goes by and the people of Earth are fruitful and multiply. After the fall of Adam and Eve, and their removal from the garden, right before the flood account, 
we read of a rebellious portion of a class of created spirit beings known as the sons of God, the Beni Elohim, Watchers, or Fallen Realm that decided to descend to Mount Hermon and mate with the daughters of men. Their offspring are known as the Nephilim. Book 1 of Enoch expands on Genesis 6, and how they left their heavenly realm and came to earth to procreate with the daughters of men and began their genetic manipulation of humanity. They debased and terrorized humans with fear and death in every culture of the world resulting in humankind's every thought and action being filled with evil and wickedness. The psalmist, who wrote about not fearing while walking through the valley of the shadow of death, is, most likely, referring to the area around Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon also happens to be the very mountain that Jesus' ministry centered around. It is where he declared that on this rock, he would build his ecclesia, and is where during his interdimensional transfiguration, he spoke with Moses and Elijah. Daddy, what does pro, pre, eight, mean make babies yes son make babies however the issue was their babies became giants giants, giants? yes giants are giants bad well based on what we read from the bible their actions went against god's people every time the bible mentions giants it is always negative Although not considered scripture, these ancient books were important to the early Christians, since they offer clues and insight into what those living in the first century thought and believed. Again, Book 1 of Enoch, fills in where Genesis 6 briefly mentions this event. It tells how giants would not only eat animals but humans as well. It goes on to say that they sinned against animals. That sin, most likely, was human-animal crossbreeding. Mythologies from all over the world mention chimeric half-human and half-animal creatures. I wonder if it is the fallen realm's attempt to create earthly creatures similar to the ones mentioned in scripture like the seraphim, or cherubim. We also find out that those entities, also known as the watchers or Apkalu, brought early humanity information that we may not have figured out until much later. It's usually termed societal knowledge. Societal knowledge? What's that? It included the seven sacred sciences, which are, grammar, rhetoric, logic, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. Also, how to use minerals for colors in cosmetics to adorn oneself. How to prepare plants and roots for the purpose of communicating with the dead, which the Bible tells us to have no part in. They also brought the knowledge of Warcraft with the use of combining metals into stronger alloys. Scripture says they were the men of old, men of renown, just think about the Greek or Roman pagan societies. Now, imagine in the pre-flood ancient past, the manifestation of fallen Elohim into our physical world as larger-than-life entities. Book 1 of Enoch mentions 200 of them, living and moving around, procreating, even controlling the nations of the world. Some even being worshipped as gods. All this occurring within what the Father will allow. The influence of their offspring continues in amongst our collective field of energy. However, Father's Holy Spirit is restraining the overwhelming onslaught of evil so we're in his protection at the moment. These fallen angels, Archons, Apkalu, Anunnaki, Titans, or whatever you want to call them. The Bible calls them the sons of God, and their offspring the Nephilim, became the violent giants and were, dominating, and tyrannical despots who were given the task of controlling the populations. Forcing the people to obey the dictates of the fallen ones. Enforcing the religious worship of the day. Demanding human sacrifices, from both adults and children alike. Also, drinking blood and killing for sport and entertainment. The terror and fear they imposed was of such a degree that even the Israelites, who had God Almighty on their side, trembled and cowered. Since the Israelites were afraid, God made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years for not wiping them out. Father considered the giants or Nephilim an abomination because they were neither heavenly nor earthly. 
It is believed that when the giants died their spirits were doomed to wander the earth, thus becoming demons or spirits that had no place to rest after death. These spirits, continue to influence the world around us and are present today causing all sorts of calamity and mayhem. So, to rid the world of the evil that the giants inflicted, Father sent the Great Flood. It was his way of ridding the earth of wickedness. The Bible reads, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. The and also after that is a clue that this most likely is still going on. The wicked knowledge somehow crossed the flood or the fallen realm mated with humanity again. Is that when Noah built the ark? Yes. Father saw that Noah and his family were perfect in their generations. Every time I see a rainbow, I remember God's promise to not flood the earth with water ever again. What does found to be perfect in his generations mean? It could mean that Noah honored God and did what was right. It could also mean that his lineage or genetic makeup was not corrupted with any interbreeding from the fallen sons of God. Anyway, Noah was called to preserve human life on earth after the flood judgment. This is a dramatic and all-encompassing solution to rid the world of corruption and evil. So, everybody and everything died except for Noah and his family? Only eight souls are mentioned as being saved in both the Old and New Testaments. Is that when the dinosaurs died? I'm not sure about how, or when the dinosaurs got here, or how, or when they died. The Bible does not say. Much time goes by and the people of Earth are fruitful and multiply. Sometime after that, Nimrod and Babel, his tower to heaven, is briefly mentioned in the Bible. But we have tall buildings all over the Earth. There is a lot more to this story than the Bible lets us in on. Much discussion about Nimrod is found in other literature around the world. The Tower of Babel's judgment is important more than them not spreading out and multiplying. It was an attempt to reach heaven that included using deep earthen ritual pits, to communicate with the dead and worshipping entities other than the one, true living God, Father Yahweh. Our Bible is clear that Father is jealous and rightfully so. He created us and we are His. The Bible states that God and His divine counsel decided that they would put an end to the project and confound humanity's languages and disperse them. Not just because mankind was able to accomplish anything they put their minds to, but because humanity was seeking the dead and eating sacrifices offered to them. After this tower to heaven, we read that God gives the nations over to lesser lowercase g gods to govern them. In Deuteronomy 32.8 we read where Moses recounts what God did after the tower incident. Then in Psalms 82, we read where God condemns these Elohim for not ruling their portions justly and will die like men. Unfortunately, many English Bibles use the Masoretic text for translation and mistranslate sons of God as sons of Israel. The issue with this is that Abram had not been called out of Ur yet. That would not happen until many years later. What do you mean by Abram had not been called out of Ur? You know, Abram or Abraham? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Jacob gets renamed Israel. Mom snuggled her daughter closer as they got more comfortable. Dad placed a few smaller logs on the fire. The flames flickered and warmed the family. The destruction of the Nephilim-infested cities of Sodom and Gomorrah happened when the amount of corruption, wickedness, and iniquity of the cities of the plains, had reached the level for God to intervene. The warning of the impending doom motivated Abram to intercessory prayer. Abram's statements to the angel of God, revealed that he was aware of the city's inhabitants and that their motives were hostile to outsiders and their lifestyles already went against God's desires. The reluctance of the inhabitants of these cities to reap in of their wickedness resulted in their destruction. Because of Jonah and the fish, the city of Nineveh repented and was spared, they sought God's forgiveness and did not suffer destruction. The cities of the plains, however, did not. Jesus did say that the only sign he would give was that of Jonah. 
again something to consider. Our night sky is possibly very different than it was in primeval times. The destroying fire from heaven could have been a meteorite, or small comet impact, or maybe a plasma vortex. Now, imagine seeing this back then, thousands of years ago, would have been terrifying and spectacular at the same time. The electric universe theory describes the locations and orbits of the planets as being quite different now from those of the ancient past. They may have visually appeared much bigger and closer to each other and the Earth. According to their theory, electrical or plasma energy is discharged between the planets because they orbited much closer to each other than they do today. Visually, producing a light show incomparable to today's most spectacular fireworks display. You're saying that the planets were different? I'm saying that possibly, their orbits were different, and they may have appeared much bigger in the Earth's sky above the ancient people living back then. This may be why ancient cultures look to the heavens to worship what they believe to be gods even after father tells them not to. Now, as telescopes have advanced, we've been able to peer deeper into space or further back in time, and that's a neat idea to think about. It, however, doesn't really help us when looking at our local solar system. We can't look back in time too far. It takes light a little more than 8 minutes to get from the sun to earth and about a quarter of a second to get from the moon to earth. Astronomers refer to the distance from the sun to the earth as one astronomical unit. Its radius averages around 93 million miles. Light travels one astronomical unit in 500 seconds which is a little more than 8 minutes. Now, our solar system is about 80 astronomical units across its diameter. Imagine two radio transmitting devices on opposite edges of the solar system, it would take a signal traveling at the speed of light, 644 minutes or about 11 hours to go from one outer edge to the other. And then if you respond at another 11 to get back. Also, you need to point your transmitter at or close to the object that is intending to receive the signal in the vastness of space. Aiming your transmitter just a few degrees one way or the other, you might miss your target. Dad? Do you think we are alone in the universe? Or do you think there are aliens out there? Well, son, humanity has been inundated with interdimensional entities since the Fallen Realms Rebellion. All historical accounts of being visited are described in a way that matches the culture at that time. Alone or not, we should do better at getting along and leave the world a better place for the next generation. I'm not talking about climate change, global warming, or cooling, whichever carbon exchange agenda they are promoting, just being a good steward. However, if we are not alone, we should do the same thing. Alone or not, we should all get along and stop lying about so many things just to make more money. Then you have the geoglyphs all over the earth. Some even near megalithic locations. Geoglyphs? What are geoglyphs? Some intelligent influence draws these shapes or simple motifs conveying either a message or art. They are drawn on the earth, some are known as crop circles, others are like the Nazca lines in Peru. They can only be really and truly appreciated when they are viewed from above. However, these glyphs, along with anything associated with secret treasure, magic, fairies, dragons, space aliens or otherwise, is true interdimensional fallen realm trickery. We are warned repeatedly not to be deceived. The fallen realm will use the extraterrestrial alien agenda to usher in the end time delusion. The claim will either be as a threat or assistance from the supposed space aliens. We read in the Bible that the evil one is a liar from the beginning, twisting scripture into half-truths. These fallen entities have no desire to help humanity. The delusion or lie that is going to be believed by most of humanity is not only to enslave but to confuse them from accepting the gift of salvation and forfeit their relationship with the true and living God. Humanity will believe a lie because they expect the outcome to be good, only, it will be the opposite. The coming invasion inversion of the world will be unlike anything ever experienced before. The labeling of everything will be the opposite of what is true. 
In many places, it has already started. Persecution of all people who profess any relationship to what is really good and right and especially those of us who are associated with any traditional values. The clear night sky was the perfect setting to contemplate the story being told. A slight breeze blew causing the dwindling fire to flicker to life a little more. Look. Another falling star. What else happens daddy? The battle continues between the good and evil spiritual and physical realms. Each continues to influence the other individually and as a group. Now, imagine how much influence we receive from the spiritual side, and we don't even realize it. This resulted in infighting and cruelty to all. They have no outlook since they know of their ultimate demise. Even if they appear to be helping, in any capacity, it is for an evil purpose and ends in destruction. Some of the fallen realm are currently chained in gloomy darkness. For their intersexual sins. Their offsprings, spirits, seek to possess the living, and some desire worship and demand sacrifices. Although these spirit beings are powerful, they are just not, all powerful. Humans would do well to be aware of their subtle influence more than looking for an outward physical attack. Within the hierarchy of spiritual entities, there are ones that are loyal to Yahweh, and then there are those that are not. Occasionally, Father sends even his own spirit, also known as, the angel of God to take care of specific situations. This can include the weather if it needs to be. Imagine the supernatural controlling natural phenomena here in the physical realm. When we think of God, our thoughts are generally about the one God of the Bible. However, scripture is clear on the topic of many, lowercase g gods. Consider the plagues that God poured out on Egypt and their deities when the Hebrew people were held as slaves. It is a blessing how Father makes a distinction among people when judging a nation and can preserve them through any catastrophe. After the exodus from Egypt, Moses was given the pattern of the heavenly temple and instructed to make the portable version and the specific duties of the priest. In the Apocalypse of John, it is written that Jesus is both our sacrifice and high priest. Imagine being a slave in Egypt, living as a kid, young adult, or an old person and having the presence of Father God, Yahweh, as a manifest pillar of fire by night and smoke by day. His holy divine presence dwelling and leading the Israelite nation during their wanderings. And then living off manna for 40 years while walking around in the desert. Even though they grumbled and complained, scripture says their shoes didn't wear out and their feet didn't grow tired. Daddy? Yes? What is manna? Psalm 78 reads that the doors of heaven opened and it rained down bread or the food of angels for 40 years. God faithfully provided it to his people every morning for them to eat. He had specific guidelines for gathering and storing it. Much time goes by and the people of earth are fruitful and multiply. Doesn't the New Testament mention Jesus sending some demons into some pigs or something? It does. The Gospels mention a guy who might have been an unwilling victim of a death cult, that was living near the tombs who was possessed. When Jesus confronted the man many demons spoke, and they asked to be sent into a herd of pigs instead of being tormented before their time. When he cast them out of the man and into the pigs, the pigs ran off a cliff into the sea and died. And then there's Jesus' empty house parable, in the book of Matthew. It describes a person who is possessed, then the evil spirit leaves, but then, comes back bringing seven more, is something to think about as well. If you link the book of Enoch to parts of the Bible, you get a greater understanding of why humanity is in the depraved state it is and its worship of every evil thing with their pagan gods and idols. All the way from the ancient world until now. These gods never left, they just changed their names a few times and their ways of influencing humanity. Do these fallen gods still affect us? They do. 
the ancient god associated with storms for instance, was known as Zeus by the Greeks, Jupiter by the Romans, Tylok by the Aztecs, Amun Ra by the Egyptians, Shub to the Hurrians, Baal to the Hebrews and Canaanites, Marduk to the Sumerians, Hadad to the Amorites, Milcom to the Ammonites, Baal Hammon to the Phoenicians, Woden to the Germanic people, Anuna to the Mesopotamians, Thor in Norse literature and Torhuns to the Hittites. Then the current dominating spirit of humanity is Anana and Ethjer, Anana's male aspect. Really were known by other names then and now. They resurface any time they have an opportunity. Other names for this one entity is Isis, Samiramis, Bharati, Diana, Rhea, Minerva, Aphrodite, Venus, Juno, Circe, Luna, same fallen lowercase g god under different names. These same gods have manifested themselves throughout history under different names and disguises but are the evil Elohim entities from the ancient past. These entities have no desire to help humanity. That is the part that most people will find hard to believe. Many false teachings have come and sound great at first but conflict with what Jesus' sacrifice did for people. Ancient evil knew enough from the first prophecy in Genesis 3.15 to promote many corrupt versions and false myths of a virgin birth, death, and a three-day resurrection to confuse the masses. The influence of these fallen entities is continually corrupting humanity. Most people believe that they are in complete control of their thoughts, and to some degree they are, it is the subtle influence that causes people to decide on a particular action, thought, or motive. Just consider the names of the months, days of the week, and holidays and how many are linked to the sun. Take Easter or Christmas for example. Now, if we think about pagan gods, idols, and worship, a couple of things come to mind. Imagine events and activities in our day and time. Like what? Just think of Carnival or Mardi Gras. Now, I'm not saying all of these are evil. We, here in our modern times awaiting the return of our Messiah, are given two mandates, to love the Lord our God and our fellow man as ourselves while spreading the gospel. Sadly, the church has effectively weakened our ability to control the amount of evil in the world by minimizing certain supernatural aspects of scripture. As a kid, I remember hearing about Jesus saying to his followers that they shall go and do greater things than he did. I have not seen much of what would be considered greater. Remember, if you think about geopolitical issues in the world, and then you're made aware of the table of nations in Genesis 10 you really have theopolitics. They might overlap or not even correspond to the political boundaries of our world when defined from the other side. Certain Elohim entities were given areas of the world or nations to govern. And then we read of the condemnation of their selfish governing skills in Psalms 82. Anyway, there's probably infighting in and amongst themselves since they know they're going to lose. A quiet surrounded the family as dad's words stopped. The night animals and insects hushed as well. A single pop of the fire returned each of them to awareness. And then you have all the forms of energy. You know there are only two types of energy? Only two. What are they? Oh, really? There's just two types of energy in the whole wide universe you're always talking so much about. Okay, what are they? Well, in physics, you have just two types of energy. Does anyone want to guess what they are? No? Okay. They are 1. Moving or kinetic and 2. Potential or stored. Any further discussions of energy will start with either of those. Take a rock and I'm not even talking about a radioactive rock, just your typical rock sitting in a driveway, or on the road, or even the rock that no one knows about, that's stuck in the dirt in an area that's never been touched by humanity. Ultimately, the chemical composition of that rock is made up of electrons, protons, and neutrons, really it's just coalesced energy. At any given time, Father could remove his hand and the physics of creation is a thing of the past. 
At the final judgment scripture states that this very thing happens. So, time goes on and humanity grows and develops. Any advancement is a type of tech. Inventing a 5-gallon bucket is tech to someone who has never conceived of the idea. But having a gadget in your pocket that knows where you are, means someone else knows where you are as well, which can be a good or bad thing. Convenience is what people are willing to accept at the expense of control they're willing to give away. We might consider seeking Father Yahweh to convey communication or the moving of information or ideas between ourselves and others, instead of relying on electronics or print. Some people might use the term telepathic communication. Remember, we read where Father has a discussion with other Elohim at the Tower of Babel, about how humans could accomplish, create or build anything they want. Israel is told by God that he and his will be God's inheritance among the nations. And that all nations will be blessed because the Messiah will come through his lineage. In the book of Revelation and from Old Testament prophets, we read about the end times. Jesus tells us that in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end times. This is why it is important to think about then and now, and, what's on the way and prepare. The coming inversion of everything will bewilder most people, as will the judgments. They are similar to those brought on the ancient gods of Egypt, when Pharaoh would not allow the Israelites to leave. Wicked-minded globalists are actively seeking to bring about this prophesied future. Their agendas and policies have been recorded and foretold for thousands of years. You know, many modern high-level books have been published, promoting the very fulfillment of biblical prophecy. A lot of planning in the obscure open has been going on for a long time. It is entities from the fallen realm that are influencing corporations to gain control, from the top down, the compromised people in the different nations, all around the world, erecting the prophesied world government of end times. When you put this, and the manipulation of humanity with the media, it is happening before our eyes. It's all about directing and controlling, then, killing the population, all the while, making a profit when possible. The attempt by the fallen realm to create their skewed version of the future only results in suffering. Add to that, the encouraging of every kind of depravity, and they plan on further reducing the population for easier management. Clearly, denial of wrongdoing is at an all-time high. In a lot of cases, it becomes a pattern, then, that pattern turns into a belief. When you couple that, with punishment seeming to take a long time in coming, and mistaking that as acceptance, the judgment is on the way, it just hasn't arrived yet. 2 Peter 2 4-6 discusses the sin of the fallen angels and all ungodliness. But, people have been saying the world was about to end for a long time. What about all of the wars that have been fought? Well, certain events that took place in ancient and recent history are horrific. Some may have thought it was the end. These are mere foreshadows of what's prophesied to come. Just think, this cleansing of evil from the earth will be with fire and earthquakes, accompanied by tremendous changes in the heavens, stars, planets and our sun. We read about the coming judgments and distinctions, during the unimaginable horror, that precedes the Gog and Magog war. Even Father Yahweh's word, directs biblical entities, that got translated into activities like famine, pestilence or storms, followed by destroying angels. All history on earth has happened within the pattern and ordained timing of Father's prophetic feast. They are important to interpreting and understanding the past and future timing or the unfolding of everything. This is why the biblical feasts of Israel are important, not just to the Jewish people, but to the world. Prophetically, the end-time judgments will happen on the day and hour, the very moment. Whether it be in the Bible or other ancient documents from around the world, just think about the timing from back then to now. To be told or commanded by God to go, or do anything, in any capacity is amazing. And so much so for Abraham or anybody in the Bible, to go and do these things and the universal effects that come after. 
how in its grand bigness, it's all perfect for the unfolding of God's plan in a way one could say, be glad to be alive and a participant. Then, right on time, Messiah arrives and changes the world again. We also read about the new heaven and the new Jerusalem and the coming kingdom. So, first off, a kingdom needs a king. Daddy, we have the king of kings, King Jesus. Thinking about the coming complete universe encompassing kingdom is challenging because all we have are our earthly kingdoms to compare it to. This millennial kingdom will be without evil for a thousand years. In the coming kingdom, I believe the shock and awe factor will be overwhelming at the beginning. So many occupations, trades, businesses, and products will be over and never to be remembered, never be offered or provided to people in this blessed perfect reign. Once the realization sets in as to it finally happening, it finally being made manifest in the lives of every human that has ever had any existence, of any capacity, of any time period on the planet, that are permitted to participate in the resurrection to life under King Jesus. So, a kingdom has certain aspects that by default would be required. A kingdom needs territory. I'm guessing the new Jerusalem and are the new heaven and all of creation. Just to point out how so many of our activities are completely selfish and are seeking personal gain instead of advancing his kingdom. I would like to write a book titled Are There Golf Courses in Heaven? That topic is going to require more thought and prayer. Deuteronomy 28:15-67 explains our day and age, the tragic tendency of most people, to not consider that their next breath might be their last, along with a high level of denial, creates a situation where people do not think about what happens when or after they die. It is sad to think about the people of earth who participate in open rebellion against God, they live out their lives through thoughts and misbeliefs in daily activities. Some, with full knowledge of how detestable, what they do is, to our Heavenly Father, choosing corruption and continually testing His patience. These thoughts and behaviors by the masses, are the result of corruption and wickedness by the fallen realm, influencing them. All of this cumulative evil will soon be judged and cleansed by fire. There is only one correct answer to Jesus' question of, why should I let you into my heavenly kingdom? It will most likely be an intimidating moment. The realization that, what the Bible has made known all along, is actually true. If too much thought goes into your answer, you are probably going to be wrong. So, what is the answer? Well, the only valid answer from scripture is, because of your shed blood for my sins. None of our good deeds or works, or even generosity matter to getting into the kingdom. Only by accepting his shed blood can anyone gain entrance. Now, however, what we do during our lives, determines our reward and placement in the kingdom. We are either storing wood, hay and stubble, or gems and precious things. Most people, live as if they will never take their last breath. However, accepting Christ's gift of blood atonement for your sins, personally, must be consciously done before that breath, is taken. If one waits till then to choose, it is too late. Thank you.